Lord, thank you for the opportunity to gather around your word. Thank you that you're a good God all the time and that there's a move of God in the earth today and there's a move of God at heart of the bay. Praise the Lord. We thank you for it. Speak to our hearts. Touch our ears, Lord. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit has to say in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, no sense in fooling around. We'll jump right into it. My message tonight is entitled, Get a Grip. <laughs> now, understand that. I know I did a little research because in my naivety, I, I, you know, I never listened to the radio when I was growing up. I realized there are a couple of songs like Aerosmith and Black Sabbath or something. I don't even know who those groups are, okay? This is a disclaimer. In this case, I, I looked at some of the lyrics and I almost fell out and I said, that's the title of my message, Lord, please. But understand, this is not, this is not, ha, has nothing to do with Black Sabbath or Aerosmith or whoever else, you know, Muse or whoever else cut in song. I have no idea, never heard them before in my life. This is Get a Grip, uh, holding on to Christ's victory. That's what we're talking about. Grip as in, not grip, get a grip as in don't flip out emotionally. Come on, get a grip, dude. You got to hold it together, man. Hold it together, man. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about to hold it on to Christ's victory. Amen? Amen. So go with me. Uh, this just popped into my spirit and I, I just love encouraging uh, my, fa- uh, my church family. Uh, friends, we need encouragement. Uh, you think about halftime. When uh, the championship t- team is down by two touchdowns, they go into the um, they go into the locker room. What do you think the coach is doing in there? He's encouraging them. Now, come on, guys, we can do this. We can take this game and all that. You can come from behind and win this thing. And uh, I believe that the spirit of God is an encouraging spirit, and He wants us to be encouragers to one another. Amen. Please turn with me to Second Samuel chapter twenty three. And verse 9 and 10. Second Samuel chapter 23, verse 9 and 10. I am reading from the King James Version. And uh, I had hoped that this might turn into a little series. And who knows, I get to minister next Wednesday night. And it might expand into something. But really, what came up in my spirit today was verse 9 and 10. The backdrop here is that uh, uh, the Israelites are at war with the Philistines. And uh, what is happening is that the Israeli army is fleeing. They're just, they're, they're shaken up and they're leaving their post. They're, I should say they're abandoning their post. But something comes over people that have a spirit of faith. And in this case, it's Eleazar, the son of Dodo. And I know that sounds kind of hokey in the year 2011. But, you know, back then, maybe he would, they wrote a rock song about him. You know, Eliezer, son of Dodo. Eliezer, you know, maybe it might have been really a catchy theme with all the gals. Who knows? But anyway... Uh, <laughs> I realize it's hard to relate, but you can relate to the spirit of faith. So let's start with verse 9. And after him was Eleazar, the son of, and everybody said it, Dodo, the Aohite, one of the three mighty men with David, uh, when they defied the Philistines that were gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were were gone away. That's a nice way of saying they fled, they took off, they, they tucked tail and ran, but not these guys, right? And it says in verse 10, And he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day, And the people returned after him only to spoil. And that's our text for tonight. And it's kind of old English and all that. I'm still into King James. Sorry, I'm not going to switch, at least not today. But long and short of it is that he stood his ground. 
he, he took hold of his sword and he be, began to just wail. And it doesn't say how many he won, but if it's any indication, there were other, there were other ones like the, his friend before him. If you go to verse 8, the, there was a, the Tachmanite that sat on the seat, chief among captains. It's Adino the Esnite. Well, he lift up his spear and he slew 800 men. So if that's any indication of one man taking on 800, wow, that's like the Matrix or something, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's like really doing, really doing. So, so he's, this guy, uh, the Eliezer, son of Dodo, Eliezer, son of Dodo, he's in that league where, he, I mean, he takes out that sword and 800 guys are, at least 800 guys are going on. He's in that league. You all understand what I'm saying? But there's something that the Lord just impressed in me. And I want you to catch this because I believe it's a spirit of encouragement straight from the spirit of God. Do you believe that? Do you believe, do you believe that God can talk to people that he's placed in positions of responsibility and, and utterance that he'll give you a word that's going to really uh, put you into a, a large and, and a free place that's going to give you victory? I believe that. Notice this, it says that he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary. And then, it, so, so in other words, he did as much as he could. He put his foot out there, he put his, he put his life on the line, and he was swinging away as, as best he could. And he was obviously a trained warrior. But after he, after he reached a certain point where his human ability and human strength, he gave it all that he had. Something happened on the battlefield on Eleazar, son of Dodo. Eleazar, son of Dodo. The Spirit of God caught a hold of him, and it says that the sword clave unto his hand. Now I'm going to read what, in, in other areas what, what other translations say about that. The New King James says that his hand stuck to the sword. And this is, this is a supernatural manifestation of God. In the new NIV version, the same, the same description, by the way, it says that when the Israelites retreated, you know, Eleazar stood his ground, stuck, uh, struck down the Philistines, and his, his hand grew tired, and yet, uh, his hand grew tired, and it froze to the sword. Do you get the picture? I'm just showing different, different descriptions of what this amazing thing must have been. It says in the Amplified Bible that when his hand was weary, that it, it clung to the sword. And, and uh, so you, you see, different. oh, there's, there, there's another one. Uh, uh, the Message Bible says it this way, Eleazar stood his ground and killed the Philistines right and left until he was exhausted. Sounds like some Christians I know today. But... He never let go of the sword. A, a big win for God that day. The army then rejoined Eleazar and there was nothing left but to clean up. And you can put in there, clean up the spoils. Friends, uh, pastor has been ministering along the line of taking dominion on Wednesday nights. Isn't that right? Not the only, but one of the primary weapons of offense for the Christian is what? The sword of the Spirit, as described in Ephesians. Is that right? not right? It says, and take the sword of the Spirit, you know, among other things. See, all the other weapons that you see in the description of the, of the warrior in Ephesians 6, and when they describe the warfare of the believer, all the other weapons are, if you might say, uh, defensive. But the sword of the Spirit is the offensive weapon. And, and, and so, so 
when you think of this, don't just think of the story of Eliezer, son of Dodo, that went around. But I, I want you to also understand that there is a spiritual lesson for us today. As you are taking authority in situations, make no mistake about it. The enemy or the adversary of your soul and of this ministry and of the name of Christ, the Antichrist, as you, if you will, is after us. Hunting, seeking whom he may devour, and seasoned Christians, seasoned warriors, uh, they, they are not the ones that ran and left the heat of the battle. We are at heart of the bay, at camp, excuse me, camp heart of the bay, are made up of a different spirit, the spirit of faith. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as what? As bold as a lion. We're going to put our stake in the ground and we're not running. That's the kind of spirit that is here. Thank God for other places. There, there are graces in different places. But one of the graces of heart of the bay is the spirit of faith. That's very, very strong in this place. Amen. Somebody said amen. amen. So as we take dominion, if you will, or if we exercise authority, there are battles to be fought. But we're not afraid of a good fight. At heart of the bay, we're not afraid of a good fight. We're not going to let go of our sword. And here too is, is the, the, the basic, the essence of our message as we move into this. First of all, in Pastor's series on taking dominions, Romans 5.17, if I could just read a few, few scriptures. But if one, by one man's trespass, lapse, or offense, Romans 5.17, death reigned through one, much more surely those who receive God's overflowing grace or unmerited favor and the gift of righteousness, putting them into right standing with himself, they shall reign as kings, reign as kings in life, through the one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. So we were created... And we, were, we are anointed to reign in life. In other words, to take dominion. Just like the first Adam, God said, have dominion over everything. Like Pastor says, all the creeps, everything that creeps, all the creeps, have dominion. So, uh, if, if, if we're going to do that, you're going to have to use the weapons of your warfare. Is that right? And just, I know we have a, a crowd here that, that has studied the, the Bible, and you've been with us a while, but we, we probably have visitors too. So let me just read with you, lest we forget 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 through 5. It says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Friends, I don't know about you, but sometimes it seems like I take out my sword of the Spirit and I'm swinging it nonstop, seems for weeks, days, hours, weeks, and the, and the battle is hot and heavy. But I, wanna, I want you to know something. God has anointed us and God wants us to fight and win the fight of faith. And what I really like about the story about Eleazar is that not only was he counting on him, God wasn't just counting on Eleazar to hang on to that sword. He's not just saying, heart of the bay, hang on to your sword, heart of the bay. But he was helping him hang on to it. In other words, it stuck to him right when he had no more strength. How many have been there before? You gave it all you had. You've been, you know, some battles, if we can be honest with me, some battles are more than just a one hour battle or a five or ten minute battle. It's those long ones. It's when there's a siege going on. 
And it's when you have to dig in and you got to fight for this thing day after day and hour after hour. And you have to you have to resist the devil and you have to speak the word and speak the word and swing that sword and swing that sword. And right when you thought you were going to get a break, something crazy happens and you got to take out the sword again and swing it when you almost don't have strength to hold up the sword. Hello. But the spirit of God wants to help you in your battle today. I know you're fighting. Some of you are fighting a physical battle. Some of you are fighting a financial battle. Some of you are fighting a, 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 a battle for the salvation of your family members, your dear ones. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you are fighting a, a court battle. But you know, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. It's against uh, evil things in, in spiritual places. We're, we don't hold anything against people. Is that right? We're not fighting against... That's what he means when you don't fight against flesh and blood. It's, it's in the spirit realm. And so we're determined at heart of the bay that we win. Praise God. God has done everything that he's going to do for you. Oh, God, help me. God, help me. And when he's telling you, take out the sword and hang on to it. Hang on to the sword. Get a grip on it. Don't let it go. Keep swinging. Oh, I feel terrible today. That's not the sword. Get the sword out. The sword. Hello, the sword. I could see people's angels when they wake up. Oh, my aching back. Get the sword. Quick, get the sword. Get the sword out. (laughs) You know, the angels, he makes some flames of fire. You know, ministers to those that are heirs of salvation. I'm sure they, they respond a whole lot better to when you pull the sword out. They go, yes, we can do something today. They pull the sword out. Oh, hallelujah. For thank God. I think God is happy for Christians that pull out the sword, everyone. And not just once in a while, but the, the moment they wake up, the sword comes out. Hallelujah. I'm awake again. I'm ready for some more. Hallelujah. Anybody getting something out of this? So the sword of the Spirit is the, is the offense, one of the offensive weapons... And thank God for defensive weapons. It's kind of like in baseball. And I'll touch this because I know spring training's hot and heavy. And the Giants won here and there. And the A's are playing. And the fever's coming back. Some of you don't miss church now. Hallelujah. (laughs) Thank God for a good glove. But it doesn't put points on the board. You know, you need a good defense. Look, you need a good defense and you need a good offense. You need them both. You don't win a game just because you had good defense. You certainly don't lose. You certainly don't win a game if you have lousy defense. (laughs) But the thought is God doesn't want you to have one or the other. That's why he said in Ephesians 6, and pastor did a great job. If you really want to get into a dissertation about the the, the armor of the believer, just go back to pastor's uh, series on Ephesians at the latter end of last year. He went verse by verse on everything in Ephesians. A thorough study, but just for touching it tonight. Thank God. He said, be armed with the full armor, the whole thing. And tonight, what we're emphasizing, not that we're de-emphasizing the shield or the helmet or the breastplate or, you know, the belt or the sound. But tonight, the emphasis is the sword. The sword. Not enough people pulling out the sword. I could almost hear the Spirit of God say, pull it out and start using it. You can't score with just Running and catching a fly ball. You got to pull the bat out. The bats have to be swinging. You come up to the plate. You don't score unless you swing the bat. So quit crying and pull the sword out and start swinging it. Start speaking the word only. If I stopped right there, I think that would be enough to say like, whoa, am I really swinging the sword? 
Is, is God talking to me? You know, really question yourself. When the Lord is talking, question yourself. When God's talking about intimacy with a father and that he wants to be a friend and are you a friend of God and that, you need to ask yourself, gee, am I as close as I should be? Like, don't just, oh, that's for the guy next to me, the guy next to me, the, the person next to me. Oh, certainly not her. The person next to me, they're the ones that need to get closer to God. You know, I'm really, no, you need to, you need to check yourself to see whether you're in the faith or whether you're where the Spirit of God is focusing. I heard God's challenging me in that, you know. But anyway, moving right along. So you gotta swing the bat. So everybody say, get a grip. Get a grip, praise God. Get a grip on your sword. So let's move ahead. And of course, there's, there's a number of weapons, which I'll touch on. And you could study this. You've heard it from the pulpit. The, again, the Word of God is, has been described as the sword of the Spirit. So when the enemy comes to you in any manifestation, you speak the word. And, and that just slices right through some things. You declare what God has declared. It's amazing. I mean, when you declare what God has declared, it's a weapon. Everybody say weapon. It also has creative power. There's creative power and it's alive. Of course, there's the name of Jesus. And I love this because, see, the name of Jesus, you use, you, you exercise authority in the name of Jesus. You, you command and tell in a scriptural way, you know, something scriptural. And you, 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 you cast out devils and all these wonderful, you, 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 you declare healing or you start clearing things. And you say, in the name of Jesus. And of course, that's using authority. So you might say the name of Jesus is, is, um, is a weapon. Is that right? It certainly is against sickness and disease when, you know, they went into, in the book of Acts, when Peter stood up and said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And then he took him by the hand. Immediately he received strength. So the guy, would you say that was a weapon against sickness? Uh, sure it was. And then, you know, and then when they were asking for an explanation of what, what has happened here and such, uh, Peter said this, and his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong. In other words, our weapon of choice at the time, there was the name. I used the name, and it just, in the name of Jesus. So never, you know, never discount the name of Jesus. And, of course, never discount the blood of Jesus. I will park it here for about a minute and a half. I've spoken to too many friends in our fellowship that are feeling badly about something that happened in their past. Friends, one of the primary wonderful things about the blood of Jesus. And you say the blood of Jesus is a weapon. Well, yes, certainly it is. They over Romans 12, you know, they overcame him by the what? By the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. But the verse right before that in the book of Hebrews talks about how the accuser of the brethren, friends, the accuser of the brethren stood day and night before the throne of God to accuse you. Accuse you. So, you know, he's accusing you that you're not worthy and that you did this and that and you did the other thing. But you see, we, the very next verse then stands up and says, they overcame him. Who? Who him? The accuser. They overcame the accuser of the brethren by the blood of the lamb the word of our, and the word of their testimony. Thank God for the blood of the lamb. Some friends, I mean, really have got to get a, you've got to get a revelation about the blood of you. If you're tormented and having a hard time sleeping at night for something that happened in your past and you just can't get over it, you need to understand the power in the blood of Jesus. Not only to wash that away, but also to make you a new person and the fact that it will purge your conscience from dead works to serve a living God and God doesn't remember what you did. Everybody said amen. amen. But let's talk to, uh, just a little bit tonight. How many of you give me about 10, 15 more minutes? <laughs> because tonight we're getting a grip. Everybody say get a grip. Get a grip. 
There's a couple of things besides, besides, the, the, besides the sword. And, and I'm going to tell you something. You don't get to be a church of our magnitude. Or when I say magnitude, I'm just, I, what I mean by that is of our level of church. In other words, it's been around for a while, a seasoned church. Without the pastoral staff and members in the church having won some battles and been in some battles. And so what I want to what I want to talk about to you tonight, we're, we're just going to touch on a couple of things about what to hold fast. You know, you got to know when to hold them and when to fold them. <laughs> Your success and, and a subtitle to this might be this. The subtitle to this message might be holding on to Christ's victory. Get a grip. Hold on to Christ's victory. There's there you, when you get to this level in life. And, and you're flowing in God, and, and you want to be effective as a, as a dad, or effective as a as as a minister, effective as a wife, effective as a student, effective as a Christian. How about that? How about just effective as a Christian? Um, what you got to understand that there are certain things that you've got to let go, and there are certain things you got to hold on. And the to the degree that you're able to hold on to some things is the degree of your victory in Christ. So back to Kenny Rogers. Uh, you got to know when to hold them, and you got to know when to fold them. <laughs> Kenny chapter 3, verse 2. Okay. <clears throat> anyway, one of the things you got to hold on to is, is what? Is the profession of your faith in Him. If he, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 in the Amplified Bible. Hebrews chapter 14. Your profession of faith in Him. Notice as we go to that scripture, I didn't just say your profession of faith, I like what it said in the Amplified, your profession of faith in Him. Pastor has been emphasizing our relationship with God. Not just some code of ethic or some, some formula. We're, I'm going to hold fast to the confession of this formula. No, I'm holding fast to Him, to the confession in Him. We all need a Savior. I like the song we sang, everybody needs a Savior. I said everybody needs a Savior. Now, you might be a kind of person that needs a savior to get you a new alternator for your car. Over here, somebody needs an, uh, a savior to help save their marriage. Another person needs a savior to help get their head screwed on straight. Their emotions are all... Another person needs a savior to help them sleep at night. Hello. Somebody needs a savior to help them do well in school. You know what I'm saying? We need saving. If you deny that you need saving, you're lying. We all need saving. Everyone needs the Savior. And everybody needs compassion. That's the fact. That's, he came into the world to save us. Praise the Lord. And He's still saving me. I don't know about you, but I thank God. I'll take all the saving I could get. So we need to hold fast. Let me read it. Inasmuch as we have a great high priest who has already ascended and passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us do what? Hold fast our confession of faith, where? In Him. My confession of faith in Him that He is saving me, that He did everything that He said He did, and that He's watching over His Word to perform it. My faith is in Him. And I'm not going to change what I say about it. Like, sometimes yes and sometimes no. He always watches over His Word to perform it for me. Because I'm in relationship with Him and He always tells the truth. I'm not changing, no matter what it looks like. 
I'm not changing. So key, so important for us to hang on to our profession of faith in Him. Another thing is Hebrews 3.6. What else do you need to hold on to? But Christ, Hebrews 3.6. But Christ as a son over His own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of hope firm to the end. In this case, we're holding our confidence and are rejoicing in Him. Is that right? You hold fast to that. Listen, no matter what happened to you on, on, uh, throughout the course of your life, no matter what's happening right now, no matter the nightmare or the storm that's hitting your, the door of your house, we are not going to let go. Amen. I said we're not going to let go of our confidence in Him. He's our Savior. He's not going to let me down. You know, he's not going to let you down. I could tell you time after time, supernatural saving that has happened to us. And amazing where you think like, well, does, does that really? I mean, blowouts on the freeway with a full van after an AFCM meeting down in wherever that was, Pismo Beach or something. I had a full van and this thing blew out the back wheel and this van was loaded. I began to go like this and you know I was wrestling that thing. I mean, even the CHP said, it is amazing in any case that you have a van like this, that was the old Aerostar, the thing just flips over and it's over. And this was during commuter hour. Nobody got hurt. The angel of the Lord was helping us. We were we swerving around four lanes of traffic. Oh, Jesus. And it was pretty crowded. That, that was God. How about when we did, went and did that retreat up in the, in the mountains, and then it started to snow, and we couldn't get up the hill, and then our car, even though the pedal's going forward, the car started going backwards. Oh, my goodness. And whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. And then another car, a Subaru, is coming down. Maybe I shouldn't get into it. You all don't want to hear this, do you? There's a little narrow road up on a mountainside and the Subaru is coming down and it sees us when it makes a drink like, whoa. So they step on the brakes and I don't know what we're doing, stepping on the gas, stepping on the brake. You know, city drivers, we're just doing the best we can. And we're, we're, no matter what we did, we're still sliding and so are they. Only they're going, they're grinding against the side of the hill. And she's going, honey, you couldn't hear anything because it's in the other car, but you know, they're really... All uh, appendages were flailing about. <laughs> I couldn't see behind me and there was a turn coming. And I kid you not, there, there was like a, a pretty steep canyon down there. And somehow, I know how, it was the Lord. He's never going to fail me. We stopped right before the tire came to the edge of that cliff. And that other little Subaru went right by, rubbing out the hill real nice. I'm sure they were fine. <laughs> I let, I let them borrow my angel after, after you know, our car stopped. But that was dangerous. And the Lord protected us. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, time doesn't permit for us to tell of all these amazing adventures in the life of P.T. and Mrs. P.T. So let's move right ahead. Hebrews 3.6, you've got to hang on to that confidence that God's taking care of you. And it's going to be all, get a grip, it's going to be alright. Get a grip on that sword and swing it. No matter what, if you see it or don't see what's going, just keep swinging the sword. It'll work. The wor- Everybody say the word works. Keep working His word. Keep declaring, you are a king. You are a priest. Where the word of a king is, there is authority and there is power. And He's watching over His word to perform it. There's no doubt about it. To those that know who they are in Christ, believe you me, if you know who you are in Christ, the devil sure is scared of you. And no matter who comes or who goes, you're going to make it to the other side. 
Praise God. You're getting your healing. That bill is going to get paid off. That housing situation is going to work out. That spouse is getting saved. That kid's going to come back to Christ. It's all going to work out. He'll bring it to pass. Yes, he will. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 15 in the in the Message Bible, I like this one. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. How many people getting encouraged tonight about getting a grip? Praise the Lord. <laughs> Second Thessalonians 2.15. So friends, take a firm stand. Feet on the ground, head held high, or head high. Keep a what? A tight grip on what you were taught. Whether in personal conversation or by our letter, make Christ himself and... And God our Father, who reached out in love and surprised you with gifts of unending help and confidence, put a fresh heart in you and invigorate your work and enliven your speech. I like that. Keep a grip. Listen, there is no other encouragement anywhere else. I mean, you could try to call Dr. Phil, but I, Dr. Phil, as nice as he tries to be, is no comparison to hanging on and getting a grip and getting the word of God, getting his words and letting him talk to you and refreshing that relationship and that victory, knowing that you are the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. Hebrews 10.23 in the King James Version says this, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Uh, I like what it says it in the God's Word translation. Don't think you have it up there. We must continue to hold firmly our declaration of faith. One, you know, by the way, let's just talk about our declaration of faith. We're talking about son of Dodo and the sword and everything, you know. You know, in the book of Revelation, it describes Jesus as coming. It says that a sharp two-edged sword came out of his what? His mouth. Everybody, are you all there with, about that? It says that a sharp... Two-edged sword came out of his mouth. He judged the nations with a sharp two-edged sword that came out of his mouth. Is it possible that when you pull out the sword of the Spirit, it's actually a spoken sword? Absolutely. You speak that sword. Hallelujah. It won't let you down. It's sharp. It's powerful. It's unbreakable. Comes with a warranty. Hallelujah. Lifetime warranty. Praise God. All right, so let's move on to something else. What else can you, can you do? First Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. What else do you lay, what else you put your hand on, so to speak, your spiritual hand on? You fight the good, First Timothy 6, 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto art, thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I like what the Message Bible says there. Listen to this. Seize the eternal life, the life you were called to. What kind of life did God call you to? A loser life or a winner life? Seize it. Now, you know, you've got you to understand. I got, I got to go back to this. Okay, did you hear? I got to go back to this one little thing. Understand that God wants you to win. And how many of you have have ever used a, a muscle group like stirring paint? I was stirring a five-gallon bucket of paint the other day, and after so long, you know, you start feeling, you get, oh, I have muscles I never thought I had. I never knew that. Huh? 
right? You start feeling just, and you start getting, how many of you have ever done something repetitively and your hand kind of got sore when you were doing like, whoa, whoa, come on, help me out, somebody. What were you doing? Tell me, what were you doing? I was stirring a five-gallon bucket of paint. What was somebody else doing? Pulling cable. Okay, you're, huh, huh, huh. oh, piece of cake, man. Because then about an hour later, oh, man, ooh, ooh, you start feeling muscles you never felt. Tell me, else, what else, what else did you do? Somebody help me. Turning wrenches. Well, the first wrench you do, the first time you do it, the first half a dozen times, okay. How about screwdrivers and wrenches? Like you, you, your, your power screwdriver, you didn't happen to have it, so you got to go, huh, 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 and you start, it starts to really burn in your hand, right? To the point to where you're almost exhausted. Well, think about your life like that. Just think about that, that condition. And, and remember this story. When you are at your wit's end and you feel like, dear God, I don't know if I could pray another thing. I don't know if I could say another thing. I don't even know if I could sleep tonight. In comes the Spirit of God. And He wants to stick to you. He wants to cling to you. And cause the spirit of faith to cling to your hand and help you. Do you think God will do that for us? Do you think God wants you to win? Do you think He wants you to be able to turn that thing around? I believe that. And I'm not letting go of that. I'm not letting go of that. Praise God. Oh, Jesus. Fight the good fight of faith. Hold tightly to eternal life. Hold on to the, the God kind of life. I know He promised it to you. He promised it to me. Don't let go. Hang on to it. Amen? Amen. Well, let me move on to, a, to another section as I, as I move to close. You know, Jesus, Jesus knew that we're human and we go through situations. He's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And heart of the bay, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. The same way many of you, he's desired to sift you as wheat. Let me tell you a revelation about sifting as wheat. Let me see if I could find it in here. Yes, here it is. It is from the Message Bible, Luke 22, and I'm almost ready to close. Luke 22, how many are you with me for another five minutes or so? Luke 22, 31 and 32. In the Message Bible, Luke chapter 22 Verse 31 and 32. You have a role in someone else's victory to help them. Praise God. Let me read for you this. Jesus speaking to Simon Peter. He said, Simon, stay on your toes. Satan has tried his best. Watch this. To separate all of you from me. King James Bible says to sift you as wheat, right? Well, notice the... the, the, uh, Message Bible is very clear on this. Separate all of you from me like chaff from wheat. Catch this. These strategies of the devil that have come against your life is a strategy to try to get you to pull away from Jesus. Not just win a victory or lose a victory or, or you know, or, or win a relationship or lose a relationship or win a job or pay a bill or hang on to whatever. It's trying to separate you from Jesus. He's trying to pull you apart and discredit His name and His covenant with you. Did you see that? It's trying to separate you, all of you from me, like chaff from meat. Like, bam, 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 bam. Just trying to shake you loose from Jesus. But, He said, but I've prayed for you in particular. That you not give in or give out, Peter. 
Because when you have come through the time of testing, you're going to be able to turn to your companions and give them a fresh start. Hallelujah. I believe that if Jesus can pray for Peter that his fail would, faith would fail not, I believe it's entirely scriptural if he said, act like me and be imitators of me. I believe we could pray for one another that our faith would fail not. Friends, I can't fight the fight of faith that you have to fight and only you have, that only you can fight. There are friends that are fighting for their life today. There are people fighting for their homes, both naturally and homes as, as in families. They're fighting for their health. They're fighting for so many, so many things that, that in, in many cases are life and death. And you know what? I believe that we can lock shields together and agree together that their faith would fail not. That they would be encouraged. Amen. Do you think Jesus' prayers were answered? I just, I just, I just got to imagine Jesus when he was up in glory right about the time when Peter stood up in front of everybody and says, these men are not drunk as you suppose, after he was full of the Holy Ghost. You know what I'm talking about. And then he began to tell it like it is with boldness. Tell the story about the glory and the glorious one. And about 3,000 souls were added to the church that day. You, you got to understand, Peter felt like a total failure. He denied Jesus. Is that right? But see, but Jesus prayed for him that his faith would do what? That it would fail not. Friends, we need to pray for one another. If you know of a friend or a, a fellow, a fellow a church member that's going through a, a, a battle, a spiritual battle, and mind, mind you, all battles, somewhere along the line, they are spiritual. You're not just fighting asthma, my friend. You're fighting the devil. You're not just fighting high blood pressure. You're fighting the devil. He's got a perfect will for you to destroy you. But God's word and God's will for your life is that you'd have a strong voice, strong lungs, that you'd be able to breathe and enjoy easily the breath of life and, and preach and sing and talk and pray as long as you want to. And not be strapped to whatever, you know, he's trying to put on you. Hallelujah. So, you know... Peter, I prayed for you that your faith would fail not. I just believe before we finish, it's about 8.24 in our power. We've got to hurry up, but we're going to pray in just a moment. So friends, get a, get a grip. Prove 1 Thessalonians 5.21. I'm going to fly. I might turn into Spanish here in a second. To, if you can't keep up with me, just get an interpretation there. He, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.21. Prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. Psalm 63, 8 says, My whole being follows hard after you and clings closely to you. You know what I mean by clinging, right? I mean, just, just everywhere you go, there it is. It's like my dog is always clinging. I'm like, oh my gosh, go away. What do you want? <clears throat> like what? I fed you. I gave you treats, everything. Go away. <laughs> go away. And he's just sticking to me. I, mean, I, I wish somebody would wake up and, uh, and distract him here because I'm trying to get some work done. He clings to me. You know, you know what I'm talking about. How many of you have clinging things that are not very, like clingy friends that are, you know, they're just clingy, 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 like, <laughs> I can't breathe. <laughs> You're clinging so much to me. Well, you know, I feel like we need to cling to God like that. <laughs> cling to him. He's our life. Hallelujah. 
John 3.16, for God greatly loved, and this is probably the, the uh, Amplified Bible, for God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave up his only begotten unique son so that whoever believes in, trusts in, and clings to, relies on him. In other words, get a grip on Jesus, praise God. He shall not perish or come to destruction or be lost, but have eternal everlasting life. Let me just finish with this thing. Another thing you need to stick to is the relationships that God has put into, relationships that have been forged in heaven. You need to hang on to those things. There are relationships where the glory of God is manifest, you know. Uh, you, you need to hang on to those. I'm, I'm reminded of, of, of the book of Ruth that Pastor just, you know, ministered. She, she hung on and she got a grip on to Naomi and she wasn't going to let go. She said, where you go, I'm going. Your God's going to be my God. Where you lodge, I'm going. That looks to me like she got a grip on somebody that knew God. Hallelujah. And of course, it was 1 Kings chapter 2, 2. Elisha clung to Elijah and got the anointing. I just like to think, it, think of it this way. There are some relationships that are heaven sent. Don't let them go flippantly. Hang on to those relationships. They're forged by God for a purpose. And of course, there's, there's tremendous value in that. But closing with this, 2 Samuel 23, 9. Then we're going to pray for one another. Eleazar, son of Dodo. He smote the Philistines in verse 10 of 2 Samuel chapter 23. Until his hand was weary. Friend, are you weary tonight? But something happened. His hand clave unto the sword. Or you might say the sword clave to his hand. God helped. And he was able to continue smiting the Philistines. And that's when God wrought a mighty victory that day. And everybody else who was too scared to pull out the sword, instead they ran. It's okay. They rode in on the victory. I don't mind. What do you say we get victory? And then help other people along because... All of the rest of the, the army, they all ran back when they saw that he won the victory. They all ran back and took the spoil. Let's pray for one another. Father, I thank you for victory in the house. I pray specifically for those, Father God, that have been fighting the good fight of faith in an area of their life. And it has been a relentless onslaught of the enemy. And we lock our shields together and we pray together, come on saints, that their faith would fail not. We declare victory in the name of Jesus in the face of impossibility. We continue to see, to say and believe and declare all things are possible to him that believeth. Physical conditions. We just thank you, Lord, that physical conditions have got to change and line up with the word of God. Financial conditions and contracts that are not godly, that are not optimal for your people. I declare a change in those contracts in the name of Jesus. Relationships, Father, that have not lined up. I declare victory in this house. In Jesus' mighty name. We pray their faith would fail not. Help them, Lord, to hold forth, hold on to their profession of faith. And by all means, Lord, help them to get rid of every thought of failure, doubt, and unbelief. In the name of Jesus Christ. Help them to not cast away their confidence, but to hold fast to the word of God.